You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 682. With computers and technology, we're becoming more and more secluded from each other. Wolfgang Peterson, rest in peace. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Today's show is sponsored by Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, how to turn your independent film into a profitable business. It's harder today than ever before for independent filmmakers to make money with their films. From predatory film distributors ripping them off to huckster film aggregators who prey upon them, the odds are stacked against the indie filmmaker. The old distribution model of making money with your film is broken and there needs to be a change. The future of independent filmmaking is the entrepreneurial filmmaker or the film entrepreneur. In Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, I break down how to actually make money with your film projects and show you how to turn your indie film into a profitable business. With case studies examining successes and failures, this book shows you the step-by-step method to turn your passion into a profitable career. If you're making a feature film, series, or any other kind of video content, the Film Entrepreneur method will set you up for success. The book is available in paperback, ebook, and of course, audiobook. If you want to order it, just head over to www.filmbizbook.com. That's filmbizbook.com. Enjoy today's episode with guest host, Dave Bullis. This guy is the founder and president of Troma Entertainment and the creator of the Toxic Avenger. I'm sure you already know who the guest is without me even saying his name, but, but with guest Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Good. How are you, buddy? Good. Thanks for uh, having me on. Uh, my, my pleasure, Lloyd. And You know, my daughter, one of my daughters, uh, the, the mutant uh, middle child, uh, one of the mutants in Tromeo and Juliet, she uh, started a company called Kit Split, which is an Airbnb for uh, film gear, for film equipment, film and video equipment. Kit Split, K-I-T, K is in Kaufman, I-T dot com. Her partner is named Christina, and guess what the last name is? Kaufman? Budelis. Ah. So Lizbeth Kaufman is my daughter, but her partner is Christina Budelis. Kitsplit.com. We use it. It's great. It's uh, If you own a camera and you're not using it, uh, Troma might need a camera and can rent it from you through Kitsplit, get very cheap, inexpensive uh, insurance, and get a price that's probably 20% of the uh, exorbitant equipment houses. So kitsplit.com is, Hearst Media is one of their uh, major investors, and uh, they're in uh, both the East Coast and the West Coast. And and you know, Lloyd, I'll I'll not only link to that in the show notes, but I wanted to ask you also about independent film and, you know, just how everything has changed even, you know, since we last talked, uh, you know, our, our, you know, uh, unfortunately, George uh, Romero, he's passed away. Um, Net neutrality has has sort of passed away. So it's just a (laughs) so it's just a shame, uh, you know, but but so I I wanted to ask you, Lloyd, you know, I would like to pass away myself, quite (laughs) frankly, I don't have the nerve to uh, put a making an appointment with the business end of a shotgun a little, a little scared of pain 
You know, Lord, I can only imagine uh, what the eulogies would be at your funeral. I mean, I, I could just imagine there. It would actually be a line bigger than the Apple Store or Starbucks, oh, just to just to say. No, I, I'm serious. I mean, you you have always been a rock star of indie film, uh, and I and I just want, so I wanted to ask you know what do you think of the current state uh, of independent you know uh, filmmaking? I mean, you just touched upon the rental houses. You know, has th- has things gotten a little better? Have they gotten a little worse? Well, it only gets worse, um, at least for trauma. Uh, the 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 problem is, as you know. Uh, the the democratic uh, revolution of uh, movies <coughs> means that everybody can make a movie and you don't really need money anymore you know you can make it on your phone as you know it's broadcast quality <coughs> and young people today have mastered the uh, thousands of people making movies and and out of a thousand movies they're going to have a few masterpieces the problem is you can't live off your art you can't pay the rent or eat and that is because the uh, giant uh, telephone and the uh, movie, the uh, media conglomerates, now AT&T owns Time Warner, you know, that kind of stuff. They control all the sources of revenue. So and they want to own and the laws have changed. So they now can own all the sources of revenue. It used to be that the television networks were not allowed to own the content, but now they can own it. And they want to own it. So that is why Netflix is spending $8 billion on uh, their own damn, they're making their own damn movies and T-shirts and, t- and uh, TV shows. And, um, you know, there's only about seven big companies that control uh, all the media. So it's it gets more and more difficult for Troma and for any independent filmmaker. But the good news is that you young people can make movies for nothing. I can't because I don't know how to do it. I'm stuck in the uh, celluloid age, so I can only make $500,000 movies, which that model does not work. It used to, but not anymore. So this one I'm going to do, Shakespeare's Shitstorm, our version of the Tempest, of Shakespeare's Tempest. Uh, That's bound to be the last one because my wife and I have to put up the money, and I can't imagine we can keep putting up half a million bucks. uh, So this will be... I mean, Return to Return to Nukem High, a.k.a. Volume 2, uh, Trauma, and our fans, our fans helped us on Kickstarter. We paid for it. The next one, though, Trauma has no money, so uh, my wife, the commissioner, and I will uh, have to fund the movie. You know, I actually helped back uh, Return to Return to Nukem High, Volume 2 on Kickstarter, Lloyd. Yes, you did. I remember that. And thank you so much. You gave us fifteen thousand dollars. I'm and I'm eternally grateful to you. It was very generous. Uh, my my pleasure. I actually found the money in a uh, in the old story, the old burlap sack behind a Seven Eleven. Yep, yep. That was, once you took the uh, severed head out of it, uh, there was all that money. And thank you for uh, giving it to uh, help us. Uh, but our fans really raised about eighty thousand bucks for the uh, budget of Return to Return to Nukemai, aka. Uh, volume two, we had run out of money and we, we, we had money coming in later, but we had a time where we either would have had to stop and lay people off in the editing department. Uh, but the fans came to the rescue and got us over the hump and then we uh, were able to pay for the, uh, the rest of the movie. So, uh, we, uh, you know, it's about four, 400,000 maybe. So the fans got, it gave us, you know, 80, 20% of the budget. So it was pretty damn nice. <laughs> 
So, so as we talk about independent cinema, Lloyd, and, and we talk about return to return to Newcomb High Volume Two. So, uh, you know, where does the impetus for you? Where do you? When do you decide? You know, what movie you're going to make? And you know, when do you start actually starting to write? You know, you start to write the script, and you actually start to get the money to the, for this. You know, where, where does that impetus sort of start from? Usually, uh, it's it's born in the current events of the day. Uh, McDonald's moved next to the Troma building. There was a McDonald's that moved in next to our building on uh, in New York uh, in Hell's Kitchen, Ninth Avenue in Manhattan, and they were horrible neighbors. Uh, they they destroyed. They uh, damaged our building, and they uh, they and they had they brought rats the size of raccoons and. And um, uh, and and it 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 got me into reading uh, Fast Food Nation and starting to think a bit about the the disgrace that is called fast food and how McDonald's uh, tortures the animals, exploits the workers, makes shit food that causes uh, prepubescent teenagers to get uh, obese. There's nothing good about it, and of course the uh, McDonald's architecture is disgusting to look at there's nothing good about it whatsoever so um uh, that led me to want to make a movie about that issue and i'm a, a big lover of broadway musicals and i had always wanted to make a musical and gabe friedman who was our editor for 10 years our, our supervisor our main editor for 10 years he suggested make it into a musical and uh, and he pretty much wrote Poultry Guy's Night of the Chicken Dead, or we wrote it together. But he really was the driving force. And um, and he, uh, in fact, I think he's the one who gave me uh, Fast Food Nation to read. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And the movie, of course, Fast Food Nation didn't appeal to anybody but the small number of yuppies who read the book. So the movie was pretty boring. Uh, whereas Poultry Geist is aimed at, at uh, the younger generations who can change the world and maybe, and in fact, McDonald's has, I think, cleaned up its act a little bit. I think they're, you know, raised their minimum wage a little. And I believe they're trying to emphasize salads and healthier food. At least I hope they are. Yeah, I haven't been to McDonald's in quite a long time, so I haven't really, I don't really know the uh, the menu too well. Uh, except for the only time I would go there is to, eat, is to uh, eat, maybe eat breakfast or something like that really quickly. You know, you kind of like you know in a rush, and you just kind of go in there to to grab something, and then you eat it, and you go, "Oh, I'm sorry, I ate that." Uh, but, so. well, again, just because it's fast food doesn't mean it can't be good. You know, I mean, it's uh, sal- nothing wrong with salad, nothing wrong with the. Uh, you know, protein, but to, to make this fatty, disgusting, and they, of course, the animals are tortured, and and that's where poultry guys came from. In the case of Return to Return to Nukemai, aka Volume Two, that's the second half of of uh, my big event movie, Return to Nukemai, Volume One and Volume Two, um, and the themes there were um, uh, the, they also concerned food and the fact that our high schools have been uh, serving crap food so uh, they've contributed to the very bad health of the american uh, teenagers um and you know we have a huge problem with obesity um uh, and also the bullying is a big theme of uh, of uh, return to newcomb high and of course uh, it's a, a lesbianic uh, 
love story. And uh, Sugar Cookies in 1971 was a lesbian, uh, a lesbian uh, vertigo. It was based on Hitchcock's vertigo. So we've always been uh, sort of rooting for the underdog and uh, Return to Newcomb High Volume 1 and 2 uh, deal with uh, the underdog who gets bullied for being, uh, uh, you know, in the LGBTQ department. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you know, it's kind of like trauma, right, Lloyd? You know, it's it's the underdog always fighting for the for the little guy, uh, trying not to get smushed by you know the the corporate giants, trying to fight back, yeah. know, doing doing everything one can to uh, change the world, make the world a better place, every little bit uh, to be part of the actions and passions of uh, his or her times, as Oliver Wendell Holmes stated back in the day. Supreme Court justice, very right wing though. And because uh, you know, as we sort of talk about, uh, you know, Return to Turner Newcomb High Volume Two. I know, you know, once you finally got everything together, you know, and you and you were able to start the Kickstarter and it was successful. Uh, you know, you were, you were able to start shooting. You know, what were some of the challenges of, of making a film? You know, making an independent film nowadays. So, what, what were some of the big challenges that you came across while while, while making the movie? The biggest challenge we have is we make $20 million movies for three hundred and fifty to $500,000. And, uh, you know, Trent Haker, right? You know him? Mm-hmm. He and wrote Citizen Toxie. He just has a wonderful movie out called 68 Kill. And when we were writing Citizen Toxie, uh, we, ha- we had an investor who was going to put up, I think, $2 million for Citizen Toxie. And we wrote it for that budget. And then the investor disappeared, and we had to make the movie for about half a million. And we we did not change the script. We made the script that Trent wrote. And uh, Trent uh, was uh, extremely – in fact, he's in – I interviewed him in one of my books. And uh, he devotes a fair amount of the interview with how happy he was that we didn't uh, cut anything out of the script due to the budget. We figured out ways to do everything that was in – Citizen Toxie, two million dollar script. We figured out how to how to make that movie for four hundred thousand bucks, and he was very very happy with that. But that is the most daunting part of it. Uh, this movie we're about to make, uh, Shakespeare's Shitstorm, which is a uh, version of the Tempest. Uh, it is uh, huge. It's a huge, you know, thousands. Well, it's like Return to Newcomb High Volume Two. It's, it's uh, enormous cast, uh, special effects. Uh, costuming, uh, transformations, explosions, uh, people, high falls, people on fire. I mean, it's it's a $20 million movie uh, made for under half a million. Well, uh, probably three uh, volume two, I think, was three hundred and fifty to maybe 400000 somewhere in that zone. But we won't make, if it's as low as it is, we will uh, lose it all because uh, we're denied access to the uh, revenue streams. Well, and I and I know you're having uh, you know a lot of premieres. You're ha- you're you're sort of touring the film. Uh, yes. And you have some of the you know, and, and I saw some of the screenings uh, on the on the website for the film. But also, you know, uh, I had Dave Kempfield, our mutual friend Dave Kempfield, uh, on the podcast, and he was uh, obviously he does the Troma Now podcast. So uh, you know, you you started your own streaming service, by the way, Lloyd, which is a great idea in my opinion, uh, because I think that's where everything is going. So you know, everyone's going to have their own content that's theirs, and just sort of go from there. So 
you know, how has, you know, Troma now, you know, has that sort of come to what you wanted it to be as, you know, has you ever had a good response from that? Troma now is great. The problem is nobody knows about it and we have no money to advertise. We have no money, period. But we certainly don't have money to advertise. So it's all word of mouth. And uh, it's terrific. In fact, Return to Nukem High Volume 1, the first half of this event film is uh, premiering on uh, on uh, Troma now at this very minute. And uh, every month we have two or three premiere movies, you know, world premieres. And then uh, I curate about a dozen movies from our library, some of which are uh, classics or or sometimes there's a theme. It's a great uh, service, and it's only four ninety nine a month, and uh, it keeps trauma alive. We're we have we we're bust. We're living on the uh, the memory of fumes. We're not living on fumes. We're living on the memory of fumes. And without our fans. Uh, Going on Troma now, um, I don't know how, and, you know, shopping at our studio store, uh, Troma Direct, Troma Direct is our store on uh, Troma.com. Uh, you know, we, we uh, our fans are the only reason we're still around. They support us and they subscribe to Troma now. And anybody out there who's listening, uh, if you want to support new, brilliant, independent filmmakers, the next generation of James Gunn's and and uh, the other fa- uh, famous directors who have come out of the loins of trauma, Eli Roth, Trent Haga, uh, and actors like Samuel Jackson and so on and so forth, uh, support Troma Now and support the new filmmakers whose movies are premiering on Troma Now. It's a great, great system. It's only four ninety nine a month. First month is free. So, uh, but even if it isn't free, uh, pay the four ninety nine. Let we're the last independent movie studio we're the last ones and we're certainly the uh, it's our 44th year uh, and it's never been more difficult and uh, we're the last ones who even pay lip service to true independent uh, filmmaking there are no studios left who have any longevity and uh, and the ones one or two that do have longevity it's all about money there is no idealism or love of the art or uh, uh, it's all about who's in the movie and the packaging and the uh, huge advertising campaigns. We're the last one. Troma Entertainment is the, the last one. And uh, it's all thanks to our fans. We wouldn't be here without our fans. And net neutrality helps us too. The free, open, and diverse internet, which unfortunately uh, FCC, uh, the Federal Communications Commission's uh, director, uh, Ajit Pai is his name. Pai is his last name. It's for shit Pai. He's uh, decided to get rid of net neutrality. So uh, that means the uh, main conglomerates, now AT&T, Comcast, you know, these aren't even, they're they're not even involved in the arts. They're phone companies, ISPs. But the point is, they want to build a super highway that they will be able to afford to pay for and be on, but we we will not be able to afford to be to put our content on the superhighway. So uh, uh, no longer will everybody be equal. There will be an elite of rich people. It'll be a CBS, NBC, ABC world. You'll have the homogenized baby food of the major conglomerates on this superhighway and their vassals. And then um, all the innovation and all the new people and all the brilliant James Gunn's and Eli Roth's of the future will be on this dirt road. Uh, 
the internet uh, that uh, will be a dirt road. And uh... we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Take a long time to buffer, and uh, and they'll slow us down and speed themselves up. You know, it's going to it's it'll be over, be over, and you'll there won't be any more innovation. You know, where did Kickstarter come from? Came from uh, net neutrality on the internet. It's a free, open, and, and diverse internet, democratic medium. Uh, Troma has half a million people every month coming to uh, my fan site and Troma's website and store and. Twitter and Facebook and at Lloyd Kaufman on Instagram. You know, we have a literally maybe more than 500,000 every month because they like it. And we have just as much opportunity on the Internet as Disney. If they like Disney, they go to Disney. If they like Troma, they go to Troma. But everybody's equal. It's a level playing field. But if there's a super highway that's fat that you can get that, uh, that delivers fast broadcasting to the consumer, and then the trauma's on the dirt road that takes a long time to buffer. Nobody's going to nobody's going to want to waste their time. It'll be like uh, public access TV. People are going to want to go where the good quality broadcasting is, and that's going to be on the superhighway. And we will not be allowed to be on it, uh, mainly because we won't be able to afford to be on it. So I imagine we'll be done if indeed uh, the free, open and diverse Internet goes away. But never mind Troma. Troma is just a movie company. There are going to be cures for cancer. There are all these wonderful things that come out of the free, open, and diverse net neutrality that uh, simply won't happen. The innovators are going to have to go through. If you have a toothpaste that, that can prevent cavities, really prevent cavities, you won't be able to go direct to your audience, right? The angry video game nerd gets millions and millions of views and makes, and makes money from the net neutrality internet. But um, if if the uh, and maybe he will be able to afford to be on the superhighway. But the the net the YouTube stars of the future, you know, new young <laughs> first time YouTube stars who under normal net neutrality conditions might be able to attract uh, millions of people because they've got something that the public likes, something new and different, and that might change the world a little bit. Uh, they won't be able, they'll have to go through one of the uh, majors or the vassals of the majors, the toothpaste, the guy who invents toothpaste, the, uh, the uh, gal or guy who invents tooth, uh, real cavity preventing toothpaste, they'll have to go through Colgate or Palma or the other one, Procter and Gamble, and they uh, won't be permitted to make very much money. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll get the tiny, you know, you know how it is, right? If you yeah. own, you know, so, um, you know, and, and there'll be a lot of innovation that won't happen because nobody will know about it or that the gatekeepers in the cartel and the monopolies won't have the imagination. Do you think that the monopoly, the, the cartel, do you think that, that they would have understood the, how great Kickstarter could be? Right. Kickstarter started with nothing. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Right. It grew because the public wanted it. They, there was a need for it. But the, uh, the establishment wouldn't understand that. They're not going to. They certainly, and they certainly don't want competition. Netflix wouldn't be here without net neutrality. Now they're one. Now they're part of the elite, and they're part of the. the they're probably going to close the uh, gate. Uh, they'll probably close the, the gate, and uh, not you know now that they're inside the, uh, the uh, treasure house, they'll probably uh, bar us, 
from uh, you know they they probably go against net neutrality. Google I think is uh, for net neutrality, and I think Facebook is too. So that's good. Yeah, it, it, that that's actually something to hear because you you think they'd also be uh, be against it. Uh, but you know that's why I want to have you on here, Lloyd, because again you're fighting for the small guy. Uh, you know, like when when people ask me how do you promote a podcast, and I go I have no clue, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. So, uh, but that's why I have people on like you, Lloyd, because you're out there fighting the good fight. Well, you uh, you have a good podcast, and you've done seventy five or more uh, chapters uh, episodes. And obviously, whatever you're doing, uh, because of net neutrality and the uh, democratic level playing field of net neutrality, you're you're able to attract viewers. If you didn't, if your podcasts were not interesting to people, they uh, you'd be gone. Well, right? th- well, thank well, thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. By the way, your your uh, episode, this episode we're recording right now, is going to be episode two o five. Wow! Oh Can you believe Lord. it? Can That's believe great. It? When will it air? Uh, it's going to air uh, next week, um, great. so it'll be plenty of time to you know for everyone to hear about the premiere and everything. But uh, you know, I, I you, you know I saw a video of you by the way, Lloyd. Uh, I know we're starting to run out of time, but I saw a video of you, uh, uh, and it was called uh, Kevin or uh, it was called Lloyd Kaufman bothers people at uh, Yoga Hose's premiere. So I, I have to ask, you know, what, what, and what, what was you, it again? It, it, it was, was called Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd Kaufman bothers Uh-oh. Kevin Smith and uh, at, oh, at Yoga. Oh. <laughs> It was just, it was, no, it was, it was funny. It was, uh, it was good, all good stuff. And, uh, I, I just wanted to ask, uh, you know, when, when, you know, doing grassroots campaigns like that, you know, um, I, 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 you know, I've wanted to have Kevin on this podcast. He seems like such a good guy. Is he a good guy in person, Lloyd? I don't know him well. Uh, I certainly, uh, admire him and he's certainly one of our greats. Um, but I, I can tell you there's a, uh, a show that he uh, has called comic book men, and they have a, a episode coming up in the fall, I think, with a, it's a trauma for one of their episodes where they, we're all uh, uh, there. And um, it's terrific. It's very funny. And how nice of uh, men and uh, Ming and uh, Brian Johnson and Kevin Smith. You know, they, they were nice to devote an episode to uh, trauma entertainment, Toxie and Kabuki Man and I and and I think Catherine Cochran. Uh, and Elizabeth D'Ambrosio, you know, we had a trauma episode. Very, I can't talk too much about it because I've been uh, pledged to uh, confidentiality. You know, they don't want me to be a spoiler, obviously. But yeah. it's a very funny. They did a great job. It's hilarious. So keep an eye out for comic book men and uh, the trauma. You know, so how nice is Kevin Smith to do to, you know, allow a, a trauma episode? Right? And, and and speaking of that, Lloyd, too, you know, you mentioned Toxie. Uh, I, I don't know if you could actually talk about this, but I, one question I've been I wanted to really ask you is, you know, I, I know there was a talk about a remake about uh, there was actually be a remake of, of the Toxic Avenger. Have, have, is there any more news about that? Uh, well, they've got uh, Conrad Vernon as the director, uh, and he is great. He loves trauma. He's he did the sausage. He did Sausage Party. He he did Shrek. Uh, he's uh, he loves movies. Uh, you know he's one of the unique uh, establishment people who actually love movies and are in it uh, for the uh, art, not for the uh, the scum soaked uh, red carpet rape uh, culture. Uh, so so uh, he's a good guy, and you can have a conversation with him. He knows film history, and uh, he's going to do a great job. I I I'm not confident that the movie ever is uh, the. I think their deal runs out in May. So, so far they've not put it together. Uh, Akiva Goldsman, who was the uh, 
the, the big shot on the case. It's been about 10 years, and uh, I think uh, I think they have not been able to make it happen. Because I, I think uh, they got a couple, a few more months to run, and uh, if they, you know, I, I think it's going to take a miracle. Because at some point, John Travolta was was attached to it, right? They had John Travolta. They had uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 the, you know, the pumping iron guy. Uh, was Arnold, the, the governor. Yeah, Arnold. He signed. He signed. Apparently, they announced it at the Cannes Film Festival years ago, and then he quickly unsigned for some. Well, he unsigned because he he got offered a sixty million dollar remake. He was getting sixty million dollars for a remake of something. Uh, one of his maybe it was the Terminator, uh, whatever it was. It was shite. But uh, unfortunately, uh, that was it. So far, uh, they've come up with nothing. Uh, you know, and they. They, um, I mean, they have Conrad Vernon. He's great, but I think uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, it's a shame. If, if uh, it ha- if it happened, we would have gotten a big check. Yeah. They've got they've got till May. So uh, if, if, if if it goes, we get a big check, and then we can make. T- not only can we make Shakespeare's shitstorm, which we are making, but we we would be able to make uh, the fifth. Toxic Avenger Part Five, uh, Grime and Punishment, uh, which takes a lot of which takes place in Chernobyl, and um, but we don't have the eight hundred thousand dollars to make Toxic Five, so uh, I, I don't think uh, that will get made. I think uh, Shakespeare's Shitstorm might well be my last, if I get through it, if we actually make it uh, this summer. Uh, yeah, it's a very daunting task. It, like all movies, uh, uh, movies. Shakespeare's Shitstorm is, uh, you know, a twenty million dollar movie being made for three or four hundred thousand. So it's a hell of a project. So that may well be the end of it because I can't keep putting up my wife and my money to make uh, movies. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show, where the major media and. Uh, you know, the major media not only doesn't uh, give us any outlet for revenue, but doesn't even uh, cover us after 50 years of making movies. You know, I've been doing this for 50 years, and uh, New York Times never said, a, never put a, the word trauma has not been in the New York Times or any newspaper for, you know, 25 years. We had our 40th year uh, a couple of years, you know, four years ago, no New York Media covered it, not a word. No Hollywood reporter, no no variety. You know, there hasn't been an independent movie studio that has existed for 44 years. There hasn't been one in history that's done what we've done and left such a mark on the cultural map, right? Look at all the d- directors from James Gunn to Eli Roth to, to the guys who did Deadpool to Takashi Miike to... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the guy who did the uh, stillness of the whatever it is of water, uh, Del Toro, right? They all love trauma. Peter Jackson uh, is, a, is a trauma fan. Hayao Miyazaki, the guy who did My Neighbor Totoro, is a huge fan, right? The Deadpool guys talk more. They talk about, right? You can see their influence of uh, trauma there. Yet, it, with, if the, the fact that we lived for 30 years, survived for 30 years, totally independent, totally independently, with no... You know, we don't make movies for lifetime, which is a, d- a division of one of those conglomerates. We're totally on our own. 
no, no interest because we don't we don't have the money to advertise. So the New York Times has no interest in us, nor does the New York Post, nor do nor do any of the of the media. The only reason they're interested is when there's uh, some advertising, right? For Variety, if you take a page in Variety of advertising, they might give you. If you're independent, you might get a little article, uh, you know, about what you're doing at the Cannes Film Festival. Same with Hollywood Reporter. But uh, apparently, they're, they're, you know, we just we are not anything. We don't exist. We do not exist. Return to Nukemai Volume Two. Uh, return to Return to Nukemai, <laughs> aka Volume Two. It doesn't exist. It doesn't matter that Lloyd Kaufman's been making fifty, has fifty years of experience making movies like The Toxic Avenger or Class of Nukemai or <coughs> Squeeze Play Waitress. First turn on movies that have clearly influenced a huge segment of our mainstream. Uh, talent and have brought forth uh, Samuel Jackson, uh, Oliver Stone got into this industry because of me. I mean, there are tons of people who wouldn't who wouldn't be around or who uh, who uh, are heavily influenced by uh, the trauma oeuvre, yet uh, nobody cares. Nothing. We are we are we are non uh, we don't exist. We do not exist. And it's, it's especially damning in New York where we've uh, you know, we own a building. We got the payroll. We've we've made movies in New York State for fifty. At least I have for fifty years, and uh, the fucking bastards don't even uh, acknowledge that we exist. The uh, critics review us, and uh, they always they give us very good review. And the Museum of Modern Art is premiering uh, Return to Newcomb High, and uh, and uh, the Museum of the Moving Image here pre uh, premiered uh, uh, Return to Return to Newcomb High, aka. Uh, Volume two, but uh, only the critics of the Times or the Post or whatever give uh, you know pay you know they pay attention. They review the movie, but again, they when they review the movie, uh, they stick. Uh, it's a, usually stuck in the ghetto of uh, where the guy is making a documentary about a left-handed mattress worker or you know some kid who's made his first uh, horror film and um, you know but it's politically correct uh, kind of person. Uh, yeah, but that's you know that's called you know they stick it in the uh, in this section. It's like a ghetto, which and and the people reading the paper of the New York Times, you know, they don't even read that section. Yeah, you know, and, and that's why again, Lloyd, I wanted to have you on. Uh, I think it's so important to to support trauma because um, you actually released one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Cannibal the Musical, uh, which is Trey Parker, Matt Stone. Um, you know, they they uh, for everyone listening, in case you don't know that name, those names they they do South Park. Um, yeah, we discovered them. We we discovered them and helped them make uh, Cannibal the Musical. We distributed it. Nobody else would. Nobody. Uh, we helped them finish it and. Uh, You'll see the opening of Cannibal the Musical is a very trauma-ish, and the rest of the movie is in much better taste. And it's a brilliant film, but they were able to use the VHS box to help them uh, get credit cred credibility. So uh, when they were pitching South Park and all that stuff, uh, gave them a little bit of uh, professional, uh, you know, professional air. And I'm in some of their early. I'm in Orgasmo, and uh, they're great guys. They're terrific. They're wonderful. They were great. They were great. But uh, that's only another example of why, I mean, the, the, there's a, an avalanche of people that have come out of trauma. There's, there's, it's unbelievable how we are totally ignored. I, I still can't get, uh, get over it. It's, uh, oh, and then the thing that really pisses me off, David, is, and I, again, I'm grateful 
um, you know, James Gunn gave me two seconds in his wonderful Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a masterpiece. That's a beautiful film. And I have a two second shot. So uh, all, you know, I, uh, all the recognition, I've gotten more recognition for my two seconds in Guardians of the Galaxy than for my 50 years of, uh, you know, killing myself to make Poultry Guys Night of the Chicken Dead or Troma's War or Terra Firmer. You know, it takes me about five years to make a movie. Return to Newcomb High and Return to Return to Newcomb High, a.k.a. Volume 2. You know, it's a two-part event film, similar to, uh, in the same way that Kill Bill is uh, two volumes. I spent seven years on that, right? The seven years, that's all. I, that's the only movie I made in seven years. So, uh, you know, these people, uh, right, they plenty of attention to Suicide Squad, which is plenty of attention to Batman Forever, plenty of attention to... Uh, Whatever scum, the Weinstein, Robert Redford, Sundance, uh, rape, red carpet worshipping uh, culture of uh, the so-called uh, independent world, right? They, we don't even own the world in the word independent anywhere anymore, right? Mm -hmm. The movies, uh, the twelve million dollar movie made by uh, celebrities uh, that get shown at Sundance that people forget after ten minutes. Uh, that's where the, that's what it's all about. Worshiping Harvey Weinstein up on the right. He's up on the hill and everybody's in uh, at Sundance. They're all in awe of him. And uh, look at the scum. Look at the world they live in. Look at the Robert Redford Sundance Harvey Weinstein worshiping world. Right. And yet and yet uh, trauma ignores us. We're ignored. Mm -hmm. We are ignored. We who've been doing this for 44 years. Right. We who have a fan base. That, that uh, goes out there and books our movie theaters. Our fan base are the only reason we're still here, right? Right? We have a brand. Yeah. Troma. Troma is a brand. I don't think people go to see a Paramount movie because Paramount's name is on it. In fact, nowadays, that's such a filthy culture that they've got, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know I, I also was talking to some friends, Lloyd, and uh, I apologize. I know we're running out of time, um, but uh, just in, in just in closing, I know uh, I know you have to run. But I, I, I was talking to some. Well, friends. I, got, I can give you another ten minutes. Oh, cool! Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Hayden, I, Hayden said that he just came in and said it's okay. Oh, okay, awesome. I, I, I didn't want Hayden to break my legs or anything. Um, <laughs> He's the best. He's the <laughs> nice. He, he loves you. Thank you. He was very thankful that you're uh, giving me some time too, and thank you. Oh, you know, again, oh, Lord, any, any time, because uh, the first time I ever met you, I, I remember uh, I, I wanted to, like, because there's, there's so many t things I wanted to say to you, and we met on the set of Crossbearer, uh, which is the film in Philly, and I was just covered in fake blood, and you were like, you, and I walked up to you, I was like, hey, Lloyd, you're like, please don't get any of that blood on me, because uh, uh, you were wearing a new jacket, I remember, and I was like, oh, sorry, I forgot I was covered in blood, but... Um, <laughs> The, well, those thank, the, thank you for preserving my jacket. No problem. Those are the memories I'm, I cherish forever, Lloyd. Uh, well, the first, the, the, the first memories. Don't touch me, kid. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. I, I love you. I well, love you. At buddy. least, at least I didn't touch you. See, that's what the mainstream, right? All these agents and facilitators, and and uh, right, uh, it's a it's a cesspool. Talk about uh, drain the swamp. Oh my God, the mainstream. Cartel. It's a cartel. It's a monopoly. Uh, and I, I don't I think it, it, it's just disgusting. And it's a it, it's uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of lobbying in Washington to get the rules against monopoly changed and all this worshiping of, of conspicuous consumption. You know, they, they, they rather put a 
They'd rather publicize a $25,000 wedding cake in the New York Post than uh, talk about uh, the fact that uh, Troma just achieved its 40th uh, anniversary. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. They'd rather have a piece about Rihanna's fur coat and how uh, one of these fashion models uh, in $200,000 dress, skirt, uh, wardrobe uh, uh, wants to have the fur coat that the fur coat that Rihanna used, has been wearing, right? Just the idea of a fur coat is obscene. But, uh, you know, the, it's, 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 the, the, it is the, the value system, the e-entertainment value system, the, the, uh, the, whole, the whole thing is filthy. And we saw back in the 60s, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's money, money, it's all the 99% of the industry. And again, I, I think I'm an expert, 99% and more than 99% of the people in our industry are scum of the earth. They're crooks, they're lazy, they hate movies. They're there for because they think it's easy and it's a fast, it's a easy, and they and, and they're there for the uh, for the uh, velvet uh, velvet ropes that keep the real people out. They're there. They're propelled by flying. Sorry about the pun. They're propelled by flying, uh, you know, business class to the Cannes Film Festival and then bragging about how oh I had dinner at my shoe. You know, and, uh, you know, that's a restaurant that, they, they, you know, it's like $800 for four people. You know, that that's the world they live in. <clears throat> that's the world they live in, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, get, that, that... Get, you know, get young people to uh, blow them, you know, casting couches. And, you know, you hear about all that stuff and it's true. It's discuss- It's horrible. But the worst of it is uh, from the from the point of view of art is that we're getting a world of homogenized baby food. Uh, yes, politically correct, I suppose, uh, and that's good, but um, uh, <laughs> stuff that's going to change the world is not getting to the public. Yeah, it, it's uh, a lot. You know, real art, the genuine artists, yes, there's a tiny amount, there's a tiny number, James Gunn, Eli Roth, John Voigt, uh, you know, those people, the best people in the world, a tiny, tiny number, genuinely love the cinema. But the rest of them, they are going straight to hell. They are going to burn in hell. You know, because one of the things that I, you know, you, you just touched on was there's so many people you meet in this industry who call themselves producers. They make a producer's card. They pass that at networking events. And you always say, you know, where are these movies that you're making? You know, where where are the scripts at that you're, you know, you're talking about? Where is this? Where, yeah. I, you know, where, where the hell is all this stuff? And, right. it, and if you start to scratch that surface a little bit, Lloyd, you start to see that it's all just a facade built on bullshit. And, and it's just, it's all about going somewhere and being seen. And that's what they really want. They just want to be famous. They don't want to actually put a work in. They don't love movies or anything else. They would be a storyteller. It's just about being famous. You know what I mean? Or, or... The yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically, you're right. Money, money yeah. and power, money and power, money and 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 hookers and mansions and you know drive around a Rolls Royce that you don't even own. You know, fucked up values. None of them, none of them knows who Nathaniel Hawthorne is. Mm-hmm. 
or or even Takeshi Meke, like you just mentioned, or uh, you know, like if you mentioned somebody like that, or or even uh, Miyazaki, like they wouldn't know who those people are. You have to dumb down your conversation with them. Uh, you know, people again. There's a very small number who are the greatest people in the world. Conrad Vernon, you can actually talk about movies. You don't have to dumb yourself down. Obviously, James Gunn. Obviously, uh, <coughs> you know Trent Hager loves movies and and loves. To, you know, you can have a conversation without. You know, you have to dumb yourself down for the uh, so-called uh, professionals. You know, the people, yeah. the gatekeepers, the gatekeepers. Yeah. And that's why I, I, you know, I'm glad to see you're still making movies, Lloyd. And, uh, you know, so, you know, return to, to return to Newcomb High volume two, you actually just announced a date, um, at the Trocadero theater here in Philly. Uh, you know, and you have it going to, to, uh, having the premiere out in Los Angeles as well as the, uh, at the uh, Beverly Hills. And I also am going to link everybody in the show notes to all of those theaters, uh, where you can buy tickets online. You can how, go out and how is it possible? <clears throat> How is it possible that Tromeo and Juliet, <clears throat> written by James Gunn, that was selected by the Museum of Modern Art to be in their Shakespeare series, they only showed three Romeo and Juliet movies, one of which was Tromeo and Juliet. How is it possible that movie has never been on, on uh, any uh, TV or any of the... Uh, Showtimes and HBOs and blah blah blah. How is it possible that Return to Nukemai, Seven Years of My Life, which is a very well reviewed, the Time, New York Times liked it. The critics there certainly don't do us any favors. They wrote a great review. It's never been on any cable system. Nothing. Totally blackballed. Only because we're independent. How is that right? That's. There's plenty of shit they put on. Right. They got plenty of shit. They got some good stuff too. HBO, Showtime, whatever. The only one that showed any of our movies in the last 20 years, the only thing, uh, the only kind of broadcast we've been on was Robert Rodriguez's channel, uh, El Rey. And he's a filmmaker. He's an artist. And he loves Troma. And he's, he's one of the people that really love movies. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, but, you know, why is it, you know, it's a cartel. It's a monopoly. It's disgusting. And thank you, David Budellis, for... Uh, uh, helping us promote Lemley's uh, Fine Art Cinema March March eighth and uh, Lemley's NoHo Seven Clex uh, March ninth through thirteenth in L.A. and I'll be there with the cast and I think uh, we're going to see something from James Gunn and uh, uh, John Voight's uh, making a video and uh, Trent Hager we'll have celebrities Troma alumni there the cast Catherine Cochran and uh, other uh, Zach Amico and the some of our stars will be there. It's going to be great. We have an art show, by the way. The uh, Hyena Gallery in Burbank has organized an art show for a month of March with all the paintings and sculptures are all inspired by uh, Return to Newcomb High and Return to Newcomb High. Uh, sorry, Return to Return to Newcomb High. It, about 20 artists have created paintings and sculpture, all inspired by uh, the class of Newcomb High uh, legacy the, the, the franchise or whatever you want to call it so and then there's going to be a big party on the 9th of march at the uh, club uh, cobra which is a, a club next very almost next door to the lemley noho in north hollywood so it's going to be quite a uh, trauma festival uh, and then march 1st you go to the trocadero i'll be there with catherine and uh, and uh, some of the stars and uh, we're going to have a great uh, 
premiere at the Trocadero in Philadelphia for Return to Return to Nukemai, a.k.a. Volume 2. And this is all thanks to our fans. Uh, the, our fans go to the theaters and tell the managers they want uh, they want Lloyd's movie. And uh, so if there are any fans there, uh, thank you. And thank you for uh, going. If there are fans listening now, go to your local cinema. I, I can very often show up. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to link to the show notes, everybody, where, you know, you can go to the screen, uh, you can go to uh, your local theater and, you know, ask for Lloyd's movie there, and then mm-hmm. uh, you can actually do that. So I'm going to link to all that in the show notes, Lloyd. Uh, again, I thank you for going over the time, by the way. I know oh, you're... Hold on, hold on one second, please. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's wrap it up. I see that something's happening here. Can you, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've run over, but uh, thank you very much. Uh, my, my pleasure, Lloyd. And again, I, I can't wait to have you back on again when you when you make uh, Shakespeare's Shitstorm. We'll have you back on for the third time. That'll be the trifecta. Wonderful. And come and visit uh, Chomerville one of these days. I, I am going to take you up on that. I want to come yeah, to New York. A, yeah, we'll give you a tour. And I want to take you to lunch. I want I want I want to come up there and I want to take you to lunch, Lloyd. Beautiful. Let's do it anytime. That's great. And you'll get a kick out of uh, Choma visiting. We get a lot of tourists here too. They just ring the doorbell and come visit the Choma building in beautiful Long Island City, Queens. All righty. See you soon, David. Thanks. Take care, Lloyd. Best wishes. Bye-bye. You too, buddy. Bye. I want to thank Dave so much for doing such a great job on this episode. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at IndieFilmMuscle.com forward slash 682. Thank you so much for listening, guys. As always, keep that hustle going. Keep that dream alive. Stay safe out there. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com. 